Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to episode 230 of the Indie Music Podcast. In this episode, Matt and Doug discuss their gear wish list. I mean list. They talk about the gear they want and need and reasons why those items are on their list. Enjoy the show. Hey, Matt. Good evening. Are we at the ball game? Are we? <laughs> hey, Doug. Yeah, we're at the ball game. I wish I was at the ball game. It's probably cooler there down by the water. How are you, Matt? I'm good. It's been dreadfully hot here. Has it? Yeah. It's been toasty here. Relying on AC to continue to live. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So wait, so how hot is hot for you? I'm just curious. Well, it's been in the 90s, and then the heat index has gone over triple digits. Ooh, ow. I don't know what it got up today. They, I, I think I read this morning early, and I didn't go out to check. It was could get up to like 109 in the heat index. Oh, yikes. That's so, that's pretty warm. <clears throat> that that feels awful. Um it's like you don't really have it's 7:30, it's like 85 right now. So I must I bet at oh, it was wow. well you know regular um air temperature was over 90, you know, at 3 o'clock or 4. Yeah, we don't really get humidity here, so heat index isn't always a thing we pay attention to. It's just cooling off. I just got home and it's warm enough that I have the windows open here in the shred. <laughs> Do I sound different? I'm using my slate mic today. Uh, interesting. It probably sounds the same. It probably doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Yeah, well, Zoom. on Zoom, I doubt it may. Um, you could turn up a little bit. Oh, that is true. I, I do forget that um, compared to the Lewitt, this does require a little bit more gain, and I need to kind of find the sweet spot for it. Yeah. You need uh, something like session recall so you can yeah. recall your gain settings. I just need to take a little marker and put it on my <laughs> interface. <laughs> L for Lewitt and S for Slate. There you go. Yeah, I need to, I just need to. Yeah, I found that out the other day when I was doing an A-B test. And... Yeah, and I forgot to go back and look for the look for the sweet spot, but it's it's definitely you know you don't you don't really I don't really think about that. I've never had to think about that with other mics, you know, having to adjust the gain for what feels to me like if it's a phantom powered mic, shouldn't it just use the same amount of power? But no, not necessarily. Yeah. I don't um because I've been Chastised by you, touch my gain settings anymore. <laughs> bad, Doug, bad. <laughs> Don't touch those knobs. It's all my fault. I try not to touch it, but it, <laughs> it, uh, it happens anyway. It well, yeah, I mean, you know, I've got that, uh, um, that channel strip that I use for the podcast, and I use it for other vocal recording stuff as well. And it really just has a sweet spot setting for, um, for spoken voice and there's not, you know, it doesn't need to change, even if it's not my voice, it does right. um, a nice job. I'm sure this does too. And I just haven't, I haven't taken the time because it, it, it didn't occur to me until I did an AB test recently that uh, I would, that I would even need to. Yeah. But different mics have different sensitivity. And then the way that emulation works is probably 
changing sensitivity, you know, depending on which mic emulation you're you're choosing. Yeah, but I think I was trying it um, just without, just as a raw mic without using the emulation, and even then, uh, I could tell by the waveform alone that it was it was quieter just from go. Yeah. Are you adjusting how far away you are from the mic? A little bit. I'm a little more conscious of how how was kind far of away a, to be from that, this one. That was kind of a reclimped kind of breath that you had there. <laughs> was that a point of like gear contention? Uh, there's a there's a um, there's like a little mental history on on that question. <laughs> I've been trying to uh, I've been trying to find that other sweet spot, the distance to Mike um, for both of these, and I mean I know what it's supposed to be. And I know that I, in order to get a, a better sound, I should talk louder, but be farther away. Um, I, I do have a lot of mouth noises that I have to edit out or use a gate for, and that's just my own mic technique that I need to work on. Yeah, I, the mic that I use is, it picks everything up, man. I mean, and, and I really do like it, but mouth noises, rotating in my chair, Right, you know, um, all, all kinds stuff. of whatever. I can't type on the keyboard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is just very sensitive, but it's so directional. I was going to say that's weird because it's so it's a shotgun mic. Yeah, so, so it it's not be. picking up anything in its rejection area. Yeah, but because my keyboard's in front of it, and and, and my keyboard's in front of it and below, like two feet below, where the because my microphone's hanging from the ceiling now. Oh yeah. Um, you know, but it's just, it, if it's in front of the mic, it's going to pick it up, but it, like that breath noise right there, how yeah. annoying. <laughs> you know, and the, and the more I edit audio, the more annoyed I get by breath noises. Oh, <laughs> hang on one second. You taking a deep breath. Somebody come to the door. Uh, what did I just do? Did you just press a button? I don't know what just happened to my audio that I was recording. Well, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to record some more, and we'll take the Zoom audio for that. I've only been doing this a year and a half. You'd think I'd I'd know not to touch that button. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you know, kidding. I just realized uh, we haven't like in a year. God. Here, let's do it, man. Ready? Oh yeah, three, three, two, two one. one. Yeah, because we just, you know, I mean, we're pro now. We don't even need to do that. Well, but. I know our I know our cadence so well, our our conversational cadence. I know it so well that I literally just line up our audio in seconds without having to <laughs> to do a sync. Isn't that funny? It is. Now when you send me a guest, I just assume that you're synced with the guest and then I move mine to yours. Oh, dude. Oh, did you swallow a fly there? <laughs> oh, I was laughing the other day. I was like, boy, who was I on with? I was on with, uh, yeah, I was uh, having a meeting with Alex Winters and I choked. And I was like, man, you'd think after 50 plus years, I'd know how to breathe and swallow <laughs> two yeah. of the most fundamental things. Like, how am I still figuring this out? Breathing, swallowing. <laughs> Oh my God. 
I can't believe I deleted my audio. You deleted it, so you pressed. Well, the it disappeared. I think I duplicated my track because I was gonna. I was. I. F- I forgot that if you do anything while you're recording, it just thinks you wanted to start over. I don't know. Is that a logic thing? <sighs> Maybe I just shouldn't have touched anything. <laughs> Oh, so we were on the subject of microphones and the gear and and whatnot. And so what I was thinking was, you know, we interviewed Tony last week um, and he asked us what we would buy. And I was like, wow, I haven't thought about that lately because I feel like I went on a spree, right? You know, decking out my, uh, tricking out my little studio here and getting all set up. And I convinced myself that I didn't need anything else. And um, so when he asked, you know, I was forced to have to think about it. And and now I'm kind of like, well, you know, if money was no object, uh, yeah, of course there are things I would want. And lo and behold, the that thing popped right up on my Instagram that now I'm coveting. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a MIDI controller that looks like an SSL channel strip. From I saw it. That's audio. pretty cool. Oh, my God. They're out of stock, which is great because I can't afford it right now. <laughs> but um, it's 100% on my Christmas list. Yeah, you know, it, I've got the Icon. Uh, what is it? The the Icon QCon Pro. Yeah. And I love it. And But there's just so much about it that I don't use. Yeah. And I probably could have gone with a, a smaller controller. But at the time I was mixing and I wanted to have the channel. So, you know, basically it's an eight channel mixer and, uh, you know, and it's programmable. And I've got MIDI functions in it that I use uh, to manage shortcuts to pull up. I pull up uh, uh, my metering and close my metering and open plug-in windows. And I can program it to be a a plug-in controller and okay. I found that to be kind of hard to do and and uh, have that mapped for every different plug-in and everything if you know what I mean so that sure yeah yeah and that was a lot of work to try so I was like you know that's not worth it and so I never did really do it but but anyway I really like it though and because it's got really great it's got really great uh controls for uh, for playback and recording and and oh, scrubbing okay. and yeah and then I've got like different hotkeys the um, uh, the faders work really nice they're automated so they're really cool um, if you have automation in your tracks and they just move by themselves you get to watch them it's like <laughs> that's so cool. entertaining yeah <laughs> you know and then I've got individual track control buttons for you know, selecting tracks or muting, soloing and things like that. So there's, a, it's just really, really, really useful. But I don't use all, all eight tracks much at all anymore, usually one or two. Yeah, that sounds super helpful. But I like it. Well, I have this, um, I have this Oxygen 49 um, MIDI controller keyboard next to me. And it's got faders and knobs and at one point i spent a weekend control programming it to be you know to help control my mixes and i basically sent set it up so that my mix buses the ones that i send to 
uh, were controlled because I only have a limited number of faders um, that it would control the the mix buses, and then I could have the knobs to do with other things, and that worked out really well for that weekend. And then after that, it didn't work, and I kind of was like, ah, I'll just go back to the mouse. But I love the idea of having something just like right at my hand, right next to the computer, that I can just you know twiddle knobs and stuff. Yeah, I've always and been that looks like a fit the bill. Yeah. Yeah, I do enjoy the trackpad when I'm not here at my workstation with the mouse. I mean, a trackball. Because um, you can do gestures, you know. You can yeah, two fingers or open and Pull that, and, all that and then the faders are sliding up and back, you know, the uh, the trackpad, which I like. Would you believe? I've never tried that. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I like that. and. <laughs> So you like uh, uh, like click down, you know, left left track click with your thumb, and then you can just move your finger forward and back to slide oh. the fader. Well, I guess I use the mouse wheel for that because I have there's a there's a on my I have a trackball, a Logitech trackball that has the ball that I control with my thumb, but then it's got a like a, like a wheel, like a mouse wheel wheel. Yeah, but when you want to dial in that point zero one dB, dude, <laughs> there is no. Exception for a trackpad. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did you give any thought about what was what's on your list? I know you're shopping for monitors. Yeah, what's, what's the, up with that? Which you call it the wish list? Which I I saw you the wish lust. The wish lust. Yeah, I was like, I all said, is that a typo? But then I'm like, no, I know, Doug. That's not a typo. <laughs> he called it that on purpose. <laughs> And to be honest, I mean, it's a little bit lusty, but um, I, my list, I try to have realistic that I think that one day this might be attainable kind of thing. Right. And, and really, the first thing that I would like, uh, I don't know, these aren't in chrono- chronological order, I guess. <laughs> it would just see, you know, who, who knows how that goes. But I would like a really minimal mastering desk with like 12U on top and another like 12 or 13 U on the front face, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it only have it be like maybe 24 to 30 inches wide and whatever depth it needs to be and not take up a lot of space and completely get out of the way of the stereo field, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's not and, interfering with the playback yeah, from your monitors. That Yeah, and then, because my situation is I have a, I have a, I love my rack, but it's not in front of me. And I want to get my hardware where I'm not reaching or moving my head out of the stereo field, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that would, I mean, even more than so than hardware would make a big difference for me in how I'm listening because and how I'm able to make changes and then hear what's happening because it moving my head to look you know, changes what I'm hearing versus if it was right in front of me, you know, I could keep my head still, you know, and make changes without uh, moving my, my ears or the direction that they're pointing while I'm trying to make the change. That's kind of a real functional thing that I'd like to have. Yeah. But that was one of the first things. What's your first thing? Um, well, (laughs) only because I feel like I don't actually, there's needs and there's wants, right? So I feel like I have currently everything that I need, but then well, there's everything always, you need comes be, uh, with your DAW. Okay, graded. yeah, technically, <laughs> you know, all you really need is a pair of headphones, right? Um, 
yeah, that controller is really high on my list right now. But you know, if I had a bunch of money, I would I would definitely go for um, out you know some kind of outboard ADD A converter, and then after that, uh, maybe an analog summing. Uh, although I get pretty close, I'm I'm in uh, I'm in the slate plug-in world now, and it all sounds pretty pretty. You analog. know, if you had a really nice analog mixer, then yeah, you could use that for your analog summing right there. You know, I I do have an analog mixer. I have a I have a um, oops I have a Behringer Eurorack mixer. So what you would need is like an ADDA that had what like eight you know as many channels as you could afford right <laughs> you know what i mean uh outs and ends yeah so what's the the lynx aurora or something like that mm-hmm. and then you know so you could take it like a lynx aurora eight and you could have eight channels going out and you could take those out sum them bring them back in and print them to a track and then open up those eight channels again to do the next part or whatever yeah but they go up gosh you can you know get 32s if money's <laughs> no object you know oh it's an object <laughs> <laughs> it's an object um but yeah it's 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 one of those things where you know you know in the it world you kind of like well okay you know something better is coming out or you know you're gonna have to like like if you're buying ram for instance you know that well i can either buy the most i could possibly ever need up front or i can buy this now and then kind of waste it when i buy it again later and you don't want to do that but you know, I, there's also something, you know, to say about incremental progress and like buy what you can afford now that you can use now and then get better and then make more money and then yeah, or save your money and then buy something better later. Maybe. But and there's resale value in hardware. So unlike RAM, which there's no resale value, it just goes in a bag or whatever. <laughs> there's resale value in, in hardware. You can sell stuff on eBay or Reverb and make some of your money back. So sure. And some of it appreciates. True. Just Unless it gets flooded, like, uh, oh, my God, this poor guy is at Brainworks. Oh, yeah. They had all kinds of vintage oh, stuff, the, and it just got sunk. Yeah, that has got to be just sickening, you know? Yeah, And yeah. the loss of all that classic hardware and everything. Oh, yeah, some of that's just, like, one-of-a-kind vintage pieces, too, and they just, uh, yeah. And they weren't in a flood zone, so they didn't have any kind of flood insurance. Yeah, that's just kind of tragic. I only heard about that today. Oh, wow. And of course, you know, I thought of you a little bit because that's what you were, that's what you were up against recently, you know, having to get everything, everything out of your basement. So that didn't happen to you yeah. without even knowing that that's, that was going on. But, um, yeah, some of it appreciates in value. Yeah. So the next thing that I is on my list is, um, a TK Audio Tequalizer 2, and that's a Baxendall equalizer with, uh, mm. mid-side processing. Nice. And, um, you know, a lot of, of what is on my, my wish list is <laughs> to replace things that I am using in the digital domain that I would really like to have a piece of hardware for. And yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of stuff in my DAW and my plugins I would continue using that I, because I really like it. You know, I think right. it does a really good job. It's uh, their clean signal. And uh, some things are just very transparent, and I there's a lot of times I want transparency and things like that, you know. But um, and I I think that not really to get stuck on the idea of transparency because I think the uh, Tequalizer is a, a real clean sounding unit. 
But I really like and have come to enjoy having a Baxendall EQ. And it serves a real function for me for, um, for balancing the low and high shelves. And it's, it's become one of the first steps of my process. And I, I found myself using that over and over again because I, I am getting results that I like from it, you know? And so Interesting. I'd, like to, um, I'd like to have that piece of hardware um, so I could have that analog character and still mm-hmm. be able to have that same control that I have now in the, you know, with my plugins. That's cool. Yeah, it sounds like you are going more and more outboard, which is cool. Yeah, not not entirely. I, I I am a I believe in hybrid. I think there's good in both places, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that getting the best in the both worlds and mix and matching those things to meet the need at the moment, you know, gives you a lot of flexibility and power to do what it is that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but yeah, it's not like you can buy, you know. 30 LA2As. Right. <laughs> so yeah. you have to be real careful with, you know, how you spend your money and how you're going to use it uh, like, yeah, either I, globally or whatever. I feel right? sorry for the for the mixing recording studios, you know, to go analog the sheer quantity of right hardware you have to have and but you know which is expensive but it's not as expensive <laughs> as the mastering hardware we, but we just need less of it, you know. And Sure. Right, because you got two tracks, <laughs> two tracks at a time. Right, not you know, thirty-two plus. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, next on my list, which is something that I forgot that is on my list, is uh, pretty simple, and I just really kind of need to pick one and buy it. Is a um, a bigger, faster backup disc. Uh-huh. Um, I've been saving stuff to the cloud because. Uh, I didn't used to trust the cloud. You know what I mean? You didn't used to trust Apple or Google because it's like, well, what if you lose your internet? Well, you know what? They're, if their business is based on the cloud, they're working harder to back up your stuff than you ever will. They have more copies of it in more places and it's backed up more quickly and uh, more times than you ever could with, you know, carbon copy cloner or whatever. But still, I like to have a local backup of everything in at least one place, if not two. And uh, I think I need to upgrade to SSD backup disk so that my backups don't take so long. It sounds like a, that's a, like a really important thing. Yeah. It's and, an important and, and very definitely feasible. Attainable. I mean, you're not talking yeah. like a huge expense there either. No, you know? no, no. I just need to do it. I mean, I have a perfectly serviceable backup disk that I back up to regularly. It's just not as quick as it once seemed to be. Yeah. So I just need to upgrade. That's probably number one on my list uh, in terms of how soon it will happen. You know, how realistic and down to earth you are. <laughs> well, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm balancing needs versus wants. Like I said, <laughs> I, anytime I catch myself lusting after something, I'm like, do I really need it? Do you apply the, what is it, the 10, the 555? Are you going to want this in five minutes, five days, five years? Yep. Um, if the answer is yes, well, buy the damn thing. <laughs> Don't wait. Unless they're out of stock. <laughs> um, oh, and also, you know what? I need another pair of headphones. I love my headphones so much. My uh, Sony 
what is this, 7605, you know, the, the ones I've been using forever. But like I said, I've been using them forever and I've replaced the plug at least twice and I've replaced the pads at least twice. And I really just need another pair. So I save a little wear and tear on this pair. It's <laughs> a lot of eggs in this basket. I'd rely on them too much to have only one pair. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Practical, right? Very practical. Where's, where's my gear lust? Where's my. <laughs> so. I've got like a, I, I was just looking at my list and I realized I have like this theme. Um, oh yeah. I've got all EQs on here. And, Interesting. Um, I got to thinking that I'm really happy with the compression that I have right now. I do have an outboard compressor mm -hmm. already. Yes. And I really that like it good. a lot. And I have plug-in compressors that I really like as well. I guess I'm not feeling the need for compression. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not feeling squeezed to buy a compressor? Is that what you're saying? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, my my threshold for need of a compressor <laughs> compressor is, uh, um, you know. Short? Short. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did me one better. Good job. Yep. <laughs> I know. I feel every time I look, every time I feel, catch myself lusting after a compressor, I'm like, dude, dude, I must have upwards of 50 compressors to choose from most of which are really pretty good some of which are amazing and i will probably never need need another compressor yeah. <laughs> as long as i do this but does that mean i don't want the spl iron no of course i want the spl iron <laughs> yeah you know i and i do too but i uh, you know the thing is is that the spl iron for me has become very specific to certain genres and oh interesting I have not found it to be a a broad have a broad application to many genres like the the Elysia mastering compressor. Uh huh. Which okay, money's no object. Yeah, I'm getting one in the rack, you know. But <laughs> at 10k plus, you know, there's going to just have to be a whole lot of mastering going on to get to that point. Right. And. So I didn't really, I didn't, don't have, it's not on my list because I just didn't feel it being realistic. Okay. But, and I found, you know, when I said in the beginning that I was trying, my, my list ended up being something that I think is more attainable, mm -hmm. but the Elysia uh, Music Cue is oh. something that I would love to have because that DQ, I've been using it on all kinds of music. It's you know, you know me, I'm a fan of hardware and devices that have many purposes right. and can be used in many different situations. And multitaskers. Multitaskers. And <laughs> don't get me wrong, I like equipment that does something really well. The right. music cue does EQ really well. And just the control of it, the sound of it, the character, they do have, not to be confused with their... The Elysia character, they do have uh, another, uh, you know, plug-in and a device that uh, is for coloration, which is called mm -hmm. character, which is pretty cool that I don't use it because it's a little bit overboard. It would be probably more apt to be used in a uh, mix situation, I think. But, I see. That makes sense. Um, but, yeah, so that MuseQ, it's a really special unit. It sounds really great, and there's, uh, it makes sense to me. I like to use it. It has nice controls, so, you know, you can choose to cut or boost 
or shelf, depending on if you're in the low frequency or high frequency, you know, per set of frequency controls. And so anyway, yeah, I really like that one. Now, you, you definitely seem to have an affinity for the Elysia products. Oh, yeah, they're great. I think they make really great plugins, and I, their hardware is just, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Interesting. We should try to get you a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't used their 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 products enough to to say one way or the other, but I know that they're popular. You know, and for what I like and to have the control and to have just real real clean and precise controls and then and then they provide you with, hey, if you want to push this button, you'll get some nice color. Yeah. And so they they have that on their hardware as well. And and that's the kind of thing I like. It gives you that versatility in in a real focus purpose, though. Yeah, I like versatility. And yeah, I do. That's funny. I do go back and forth. I even use my multitaskers more often than not as unitaskers, just because that's how I think of them. I'm like, okay, this compressor is good in this situation, which doesn't mean I don't use it somewhere else. But for plugins, yeah, the one I the one that I know, if I'm gonna buy a plugin tomorrow. It's going to be the Puig Child, which is the Joseph Puig version of the Fairchild, which I just right. keep hearing is fantastic. And I, I haven't even bothered demoing it because I know I'm going to buy it. And I'm just waiting for it. To, it's probably on sale right now, knowing waves, frankly, to be honest. But, well, the, the BX stuff probably will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're funny because their their stuff is all kind of expensive. But when it goes on sale, it really goes on sale. Yeah. Um, and they keep sending me vouchers. So I keep like, well, is there anything I need? No, don't buy it just because you, just because it's there. Because if I fall down that rabbit hole, you know, I was buying, I don't, I'm not even going to say how often I was buying plugins just because they either look cool or they sound cool or they're on sale or, you know, I mean, I'm a bargain hunter. I get great deals. I have a whole slew of plugins that I either got free or for $5, or for just like a ridiculous, it was on sale, and then I had a voucher, then I had a 20% off, and it was like, I just got this $200 plug-in for 15 bucks. That kind of stuff, I love that. <laughs> I talked about the Shadow Hills Mastering Compressor, yeah, which is a great compressor. Complicated, but it's a great compressor. Yeah, that, that stuff like that, the iron, the... Uh, I know I'd love to have the Bettermaker Mastering Compressor. That would yep, be cool. Yep, I keep looking at that. Wait, and, that just went on sale. We just talked about that. Yeah, and the... Did you uh, not buy it? <laughs> it was on sale and you didn't buy it? That it actually has a plug-in <laughs> controller. And there's also the... Oh, what's the what's the one? That, it's out of Germany. The... Uh, I'll have to... All the Brainwork stuff is out of Germany. See if that comes to me. Yeah, the Brainwork stuff. I was thinking of... Oh, uh, Tegler, audio manufacturer. Oh, yeah, you were talking about that the other day. Yeah. And they have plug-in controlled stuff as well, which is really neat. I mean... That takes the whole recall thing out of the picture for hardware, which is really cool because you've got a plug-in and it's got motorized, you know, switches and knobs on it that when you pull up a session, it'll automatically update all the settings on the hardware, which is really cool. So I, I put that on my list when I didn't actually add first, but now that I'm talking <laughs> about it, <laughs> they've got the uh, compressor EQ combo and I, the name is escaping me right now, but and it gives you the, it has a switch. You can put the EQ before the compressor or the EQ after the compressor. Whatever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You've got a stereo compressor and stereo EQ in one unit. So that's pretty cool. Speaking of updates, uh, my, my, my beef with plugin makers is that everyone has a different way of updating 
Some of them make you run an application. Some of them you have to be on their mailing list to find out if you're going to get updated. Some of them automatically update in the background. Some of them you have to run a daemon on your... It's, it's like, man, how many how many software demons and authorization <laughs> tools do I have to install just to keep my stuff's current? I don't like that. I don't either. Bugs me. It I actually think, you know made what? me... I'm going, to make, I'm going to say it right here. I'm going to... <laughs> all except what I currently use... And, and I'll give myself 10 to select from that I don't use often, but I like. I'm going to delete all the other plugins off my machine. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've definitely considered that because I could do that right now, too. Because what's the point? I don't know. Yeah, they're just taking up space on your hard drive. Yeah. They're just sucking down CPU if they're running a demon in the background. And uh, yeah, if you know you're not going to use them. It doesn't matter that you spent money on them. What's there's a name for that? I mean, for me, they're they're like that piece of wire that I'm holding on to just in case I need it ten years from now. You know? Yeah, it's the fallacy of sunk cost. Oh, I can't get rid of it because I spent money on it. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't use it. Now you're you're essentially paying to house it. You know? Yeah. You're, you're, it's renting space in your brain and on your hard drive. <laughs> uh, it's costing you more money in the long run if you don't delete it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have one more item on my list. <laughs> and now I'll contradict myself because this is you're, maybe you're as human, far away from a, a single purpose device that I think maybe you can get, but the SSL Fusion Analog Mastering Processor. Mm. And uh, this one's really neat, you know, because it's got, it does have, it is, it has an EQ and it has a drive section which is basically like a harmonic enhancer or something like mm -hmm. that. It has a, a compressor. It's a high-frequency compressor. It has a transformer circuit you can engage. I like that. Yeah. Um, it's got mid-side stereo imaging. And then, anyway, it's, it's kind of like a palette. It's a coloring. It's a painting palette, you know? <laughs> and that's a, you know, it would be something like I would imagine being at, I would put at the end of, a chain, you know, and then to just add texture and color and and uh, transformer, you know, and just do things that are creative and um, uh, and interesting, you know, and and mm -hmm. I don't know that it just would be seems like it'd be fun to use and uh, um, have a lot of different possibilities to uh, engage more with the music. I like that. Now, I imagine you, um, I know that in the mastering world, uh, you tend to want to be more transparent and clean and just enhance what's there. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes, oh, I love, I, I mean, I do love the fatness of transformers. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of saturation. And I do use that all the time when I do mastering and whatnot. Um, yeah, that sounds like fun. But I think that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, anything else is. Gravy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so if I got a cool mastering compressor, that would be neat, you know. But uh, I guess I'm of the mindset that, you know, compression's cool, but EQ is really where it's at, man. So interesting. Can I quote you on that? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Compression is cool, but EQ is where it's at. Let's make that the quote. <laughs> I'm a big fan of both, but. Um, yeah, I do find the more I do this, the more I 
um, the more I use EQ for different things that I might have used to use compression for. I don't know. I have more moments of just excitement from EQ than I really ever do from uh, that I get out of compression, if that makes sense. You know, just things happen in the music when working with EQ more sonically, maybe subtle, maybe not. Compression, uh, unless you're really going for it, which on the mastering bus, on the master bus isn't necessarily, you know, looking to crush something. Uh, You know, occasionally it just depends on the the music, the material, you know, if it fits with it. But normally it's trying to control stuff. It's utilitarian, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Where EQ is trying to discover, like I just was doing this master thing. I did the video here on uh, my final stage of EQ on that beat that I was doing. Uh, I put that video out yesterday. Yeah. On TikTok IG. And I was messing around with EQ and the snare. It sounded good and everything. And uh, But I was hearing just a little bit of like some some spatial effect that was back in there and it was buried and it was so cool because it was it was it had its own space in the mix and but it was it was pushed back for some reason mm-hmm. so it was like right next to the snare hit the transient but it was just like a, a little bit lower frequency range and i was able to actually latch onto that and bring that out front <laughs> You know, yeah. with, with EQ? Yeah. And then it changed the tune. I mean, the whole vibe, and it came up, and, and it was, you know, I ran it by my client, and it was exactly what he was wanting. And, and I, you know, I was like, yeah, this was, like, hidden. I didn't even really notice it until I was really focusing in on that snare, you know. When I'm mastering, you know, I kind of start at the low end and work my way up, you know. So it was later right. in my process where I was really focusing on on that snare transient and uh yeah and brought that out and that song had a, a real like um uh well the name of the song is apophis and it has a real kind of egyptian feel to it and when i brought that uh that spatial effect that he had on there out with it and the vibe with the whole egyptian thing came together it was really neat that anyway, is cool those are the kind of moments that I really enjoy, and those happen more often than with EQ than they do with anything else. Yeah, and I and I forget when we have these conversations sometimes that we're talking about two completely different things. You're talking about mastering, and I'm talking about mixing, and then it's not always. It feels like the same conversation, but sometimes, I mean, because you're dealing with a two track and what you can do with it, you know, creatively and and sonically, and I'm talking about, you know, where you where you begin with all of the tinker toy pieces you know when you're assembling them and um you can definitely bring out different sonic qualities with uh different colored compressors or you know different attack and release or uh, ones that model different transistors or or what have you and you can definitely change elements i imagine you can too with a two track you just not be inclined to because you don't want to yeah mess with it well compression it comes to you yeah I think that compression is a little bit... Well, I've got a sidechain input on my compressor, so I mm-hmm. can control what frequencies uh, I think are going to be triggering the compressor ahead of time. So like, uh, I'll put an EQ in and, and do cuts that I think are on elements of the song that are going to cause problems, problems with compression. Yeah. yeah, And I usually don't do any boosting before the compressor 
I do uh, uh, enhancement stuff and boosts and stuff after compression. Yeah, and, that makes sense. But yeah, uh, the compressor is more of a control device, you know, and to bring things together and and create that cohesion over the entire track. But EQ, it gives me a refined control over smaller bits of the master track, if you know what I mean. So it's a, more yeah, of a absolutely. precision and surgical in a way, you know, so I, I right. like that. Right. I agree. It changes the... You can really change the tonality of something with with EQ, whereas compression, yeah, I primarily use it for um, for volume control or for glue or both, um, and not so much for coloration. I know you can, but that yeah. is not typically well, I've got, how I you know, use it. I, I've I've got the button. I've got the engage transformer <laughs> button, and I, I hear Picard every time I push it. You know, <laughs> engage. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I like what it does. It's on right now. Yeah. It's subtle right now. I have, I'm just barely tapping as far as the threshold is concerned, you know, just a little bit. And I found that a little bit goes a long way, some compression and uh, less is definitely more because what comes out, you know, afterward, it's easy to overdo it. And uh, I think that uh, really nicely applied compression in most cases, unless you really want to crush something, you know, that's completely different thing. Yeah. But when you're just trying to do your gluing and make that cohesive, full mix, you know, like if I'm on the master bus is the context I'm talking about. Right. Then it's a real light move, you know? And Oh, yeah. I agree. I I have evolved into more of a top-down mixer. So I, I mix into compression, and I'm really just looking for like 2 to 3 dB. Yeah. It, which I'm not sure where I'm at right now. I'm a, I'm I'm probably 2 dB I'm just tapping on yeah the loudest points you know it's just to smooth things out yeah it smooths it out glues it together of course when it's just one vocal it's not really <laughs> there's not much to glue yeah but and doing that also when you get down to the end and you're at your at limiting you know yeah. and uh cuz my goal is to really not do too much with limiting as far as touching the dynamics at that point, mm. you know, and uh, and to keep the peaks if I can. Right. And so I've been working gain staging all along the way to get my level that I'm going for for the song. Mm-hmm. And um, I really to get the level that the song is going for because the song kind of determines what that loudness is. And then at the end, I've got the choice to go, okay, are we going to brick wall this or, you know, <laughs> what, what's the what's the material need, you know, or, yeah. you know, maybe just lightly tapping the top again in the limiting stage to, you know, to, to squeeze that last bit out of it. But yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking, the dynamics to me are more important than loudness. I agree. For Same most stuff I'm I am doing. not a, not a brick wall fan. And that doesn't mean you can't get it loud. Right. But there's a certain point where you're, you reach, you're at your maximum gain staging without clipping all the way through whatever your chain is. And then you're left with, this is the loudness of this track. Yeah. And at that point, if you've got a client that's determining for you what the <laughs> loudness should be, you know, then you're, um, you either need to dissuade what they want, you know, with uh, a craftful explanation of why. Right. You know, or to uh, go for that's it. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> a craftful explanation of why they're wrong. <laughs> 
I, you don't want to. No, you don't want to like that. Nah, trust me. But some music, <laughs> I absolutely love Brickwald. I think it's perfect for it. Distorted, heavy guitars. Sure. Stuff like that, you know, and drums and heavy metal, uh, diff- all, all the different types of, uh, of metal genres, I think, do really well and hold up well under heavy limiting. Agree. Yeah. Rhythm and blues and jazz and, oh, yeah, and folk and things like that. They, you know, those are... They need to breathe. They do. Yeah, exactly. They, they need to breathe. They need to uh, be allowed to preserve all the dynamics because that's what makes those songs, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's why we mix them that way. <laughs> well, that's it, oh, man. Right. That's my wonderlust list. Yeah, my list is short. I'm... I'm, I'm oh, I've, I know it isn't. Ugh. Oh. Monitors. <laughs> yeah, I know we didn't even go there. You changed the subject so quickly, I thought you didn't want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. <laughs> You you need new near fields and new big ones. No, right? screw the near fields. I don't need them. Oh, oh, oh! I've, I've been doing without near fields I'm for shocked. for two weeks now. Yeah, haven't You're not missed going them. Back, haven't missed them. Yeah. Um, don't see a reason to spend money on them until I get the rest of everything on my list. <laughs> wow. Well, good for you. But I want a new set of mains. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I. I love my mains that I have now. I've had them for, well, I've had them for decades, to be honest with you. And uh, they're a really old set of uh, Yamaha Studio full range speakers. And they have done really well for me for a long time. I know them so well, and I really like listening to them. They're really good sounding speakers. But there's this guy down in Kentucky by the name of Tyler that builds speakers and um, Tyler Acoustics. And I, he has a speaker that, whose model is the DX2, and it's a mastering speaker. Hmm. And I don't have it up in front of me right now, but I, I think I sent you a picture of it. Yeah, it was the picture you sent me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty dreamy. Oh, looking. man. And... Um, the thing is, though, if you look at comparable speakers by other manufacturers, they're three to ten times the cost with this particular speaker manufacturer is in all kinds of mastering studios. They are just a, a really well-received and used for many years mastering main loudspeaker. So... Anyway, he's got several different models. The one that I sent you isn't the top of the line by any means. I don't know that the top of the line ones would actually fit. <laughs> Are they that big? So height-wise, I don't know. I think the, 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 the ones that I sent you, I think those are around 48 to 50 inches tall and come with a stand, which is another like 12 to 14 inches or something like that. Got to get them off the floor, right? But they've got the low end. They've got the uh, base drivers that are low and high. Yeah. And then they've got mid drivers and tweeters in the middle. So the idea is to get those up. So the the mids and tweeters are at your ear Ear level. level. Yeah. And then you've got base low frequency drivers at the top of the speaker and the bottom of the speaker. I would like to hear those. That sounds like a really interesting sonic experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so anyway, <laughs> that's what I've got. That you know, that's what I tell my wife. 
What I'm hearing is that there's a road trip in your future. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thinking, you know, that uh, it's only four and a half hours from me, you know, that's a day trip, man. Yeah, totally. I was thinking, you go down, hang out at Tyler Acoustics, listen to all his stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, just spend a day of it. And, you know, of course, that would be with a wallet full of cash so that I could well, come yeah, back. Well, yeah, you can't something. come back empty handed from <laughs> if you're doing all that. And then, uh, so I got, you know, I guess I got to. You got to live stream that shit. Get man. my. You go down there. Get my brother and say, we're going on a road trip for. For speakers, <laughs> yeah, EPN. No, I want Plus that live streamed. I want to see video of that experience. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I think out of all the things I listed here, that's really if the, the most likely no first objects. thing that I'm going to yep. do. Yep. And it's it, you know, and it's attainable. So just everybody start sending me your mixes to master, so I can get that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> there you go. And on that note, I think it's dinner time. All right. Well, thanks for another great talk. I'll need that Zoom audio because I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Don't I got touch it. the knob. After that was me after telling you not to touch the knobs and making a joke. Knob toucher. I and, uh, yes. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Have a great week. All right. Talk to you later. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating.